We can sit and complain about the shortcomings of others all we want. We can wish that they were different. But if we do not do something about it, then we are no better. And we are potentially worse because that other person may be completely unaware of how their behavior is affecting others. But you are aware of your responsibility. So I feel like I have an inferiority complex, but it's really not a very good one. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 195. So glad to be with you. We start every episode with a dad joke, so if you're a first-time listener, I hope you enjoyed that. And if you're a first-time listener, please rate and review this podcast after listening. It helps other people find it. The highest compliment you can pay us is to share this podcast with your family and friends, and if you do so, please tag us on social media. If you do it that way, at Man of Food for Thought on Instagram, you can find all of our social media and contact info on our website, manafoodforthought.com or manafft.com. And while you're there, go ahead and click on the subscribe button to join our email list so you can get our weekly Psalm Reflection emailed to your inbox every Wednesday. And if you feel so inclined, kick, uh, click on the Give button <clears throat> Excuse me, on our website if you uh, would like to contribute financially to the cost of this podcast. It does cost money to host it on the website and to do all the things involved in recording and, and posting it and so uh, and having the website. So if you would like to do that, you can become a patron for as little as $1 a month. And we'd really appreciate that, and we'll be keeping you in our prayers. So thank you for all of you who uh, are here, first-time, long-time listeners. Thank you, patrons. And let's get into our episode by starting with Joy, Junk, and Jesus. So uh, I'm looking at my notes, and I didn't even go, I didn't even pre-do my Joy, Junk, and Jesus like I usually do. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this off the cuff. So my Joy, I recorded, I believe, these past two uh, episodes all before Christmas. So my joy obviously was Christmas time, being with the children, my, my children, the children, my children and my family, and we hosted um, Christmas dinner. And so it was just very nice. Um, my junk was that just the week of Christmas and this whole past week, I've been getting these really bad migraines. And on Christmas day, I had such a bad migraine, I couldn't even eat. And so I just kind of got to watch everyone eat the food that I made and prepared. And so uh, but it went away, so praise the Lord for that. But um, yeah, it was just kind of a bummer. Um, my Jesus moment, um, let me think. I think just the um, the day of Christmas Eve, you know, we went to Mass in the morning and then came back for Mass Christmas Eve. It was just very peaceful and very beautiful. My parents came to Mass um, with us for the first time, so that was that was really awesome just to see the Lord at work and all of that and to have that time as a family. And then we went out to dinner after uh, all together um, for Christmas Eve. So that was really beautiful as well. So a lot of good things from the season. Um, and and we're really just excited and anticipating the birth of baby number three, which will happen sometime in the next month. So yeah, keep praying for us. Let's get into our episode for this Sunday. Uh, this Sunday is the Epiphany of the Lord. And our <clears throat> episode is always focused on the second reading, which comes from the book or the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. So uh, Ephesians, Ephesus is in modern-day Turkey, and uh, Paul goes to uh, Ephesus in Acts chapter 19, and it's pretty much the entire uh, 19th chapter. And he goes there, I believe, after he's in Corinth, and uh, he ends up he, you know, uh, evangelizing some people and then moving to this kind of lecture hall in the city, and he's there for like two years. So he lives there for like a little, over two years, ministering, evangelizing, bringing people into um, the way, as they're calling it, of Christianity. 
and people are like rejecting idols and they're burning them in the town electively. They're like getting rid of all these cultish and pagan books and things, and they're they're completely devoting themselves to the Lord. Uh, he encounters uh, disciples of John the Baptist there. He uh, tells them the good news, baptizes them, gives them the Holy Spirit. So he's helping clarify a lot of the 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 right way of living. <clears throat> Excuse me. Well, there's this altercation in um, in Acts chapter 19 where all of the silversmiths who make these idols to Artemis, there's this great temple of Artemis in Ephesus at the time. I believe it's one of the seven ancient wonders of the world, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it's no longer uh, standing, obviously. Um, but uh, they all kind of riot in the city, demanding like justice for this fact that like the Christians are taking away their livelihood. And they get kind of like um, <clears throat> um, dispersed by one of the leaders in the city saying like, look, they haven't done anything illegal. You can go to the courts if you want. But like, but Paul is clearly stirring up something here, speaking into this kind of division and separation and this very like kind of uh, harsh and angry bitterness or resentment that there can be uh, when it comes to the gospel. Jesus himself even said like, I've not come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. And so uh, the, the, there needs to be a choice and that choice in response to the gospel creates this division. So the second, uh, reading today, all of that preface, uh, gives you a picture of the community that Paul is writing to after the fact, and it helps you see kind of some of the language that he uses. And then we'll talk about how that applies to our own lives. So our second reading for Sunday is from Ephesians chapter three, verses two through three, a and five and six. This is what Paul writes to this city where he lived for two and a half years, helping them dispel idolatry, but still speaking to all of this division that they experience. He says, brothers and sisters, you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for your benefit, namely that the mystery was made known to me by revelation. It was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit, that the Gentiles are co-heirs, members of the same body, and co-partners in the promise in Jesus Christ through the gospel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So what does that reading have anything to do with the context that I told you about? Well, what it has to do with is the fact that he's bringing in this idea that Gentiles are now co-heirs to this promise. The Jewish people believe like they were the ones to inherit the promises of the covenant, they were the chosen people of God, and they still are. The Jewish people are still the chosen people of God. And it's through them that the entire world uh, seeks to be, <clears throat> or will hopefully be redeemed. And that uh, happened through the person of Jesus, who was a Jewish person. But he wants to bring everyone into the fold of this new covenant. And so that's where Gentiles come in. And so Paul is communicating that, that uh, Gentiles, they are one and the same of us, have the same opportunity to be co-partners in the promise in Jesus Christ through, through the gospel. And so it speaks really to this kind of division that can exist uh, when we have this kind of us and them mentality, or when we have those people in our lives that um, that just kind of press our buttons. And so this really invited me to consider and invite you to consider who who are the unlikable people in your life? How do you love the unlikable in your life? Now, as, as Christians, this idea is going to sound very fundamental, like love one another, love your enemies, you know, like all the Sermon on the Mount stuff. It's going to sound very simple, but it's so fundamental. And because of that, it's so commonly glossed over because we hear it so often that I don't think we realize or reflect on how difficult it is and how guilty we are of falling short, that there are so many opportunities for this 
in our everyday life that we neglect or pass by. Uh, this is what should indicate that we are Christians. Like we need to realize like God loves the person that you cannot stand. God loves the people that you cannot stand. God loves the people when you say like, oh, those people, when you're talking about maybe a different political party, people who you completely disagree with, people who have totally different lives, choices, experiences, personalities than you. Uh, God loves those people as much as he loves you. And so you were really given a choice, like, will I choose his way of love or my own way of division and bitterness and resentment? That's really what we're being given the opportunity to choose. Anytime we have that temptation to sow further division or to gossip or to speak angrily about people who disagree with us or who think differently. Because as it says in John chapter 13, Jesus says in verse 34, I give you a new commandment, love one another as I have loved you, so you also should love one another. This is how all will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Okay, that is the measuring rod by which people will know we follow Jesus is how we love. Not how we judge, not how we condemn, not how we gossip, not how we sow division, how we love. And that's not just the people that it's easy for us to love. Okay, it's not just the people that it's convenient. Jesus elaborates on this in Luke chapter 6, starting in verse 31. He says, do to others as you would have them do to you, the golden rule. But then he explains, for if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do the same. If you lend money to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners and get back the same amount. But rather, love your enemies and do good to them and lend expecting nothing back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For he himself is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as also your Father is merciful. That is what it means to follow Jesus. To be like God and to seek to do his will is to love in a difficult way, to love those who it is difficult to love. Not those who love us, who it's easy to love, who make us feel good, but to love, period. End of story. And so who, my brothers and sisters, who is it hardest for you to be around? Who is it hardest for you to love? What would it look like if you started, let's say, praying and fasting for them and doing your best to lead them closer to the Lord and really putting endurance and effort into it? Not just being like, well, I've tried to be nice, you know, but like really pursuing them in a loving Christian way. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you know this passage It's you know, um, love is patient, love is kind, love is not jealous or rude. It is read at like virtually every wedding ceremony. You hear it all the time. Mm. But there's one line in that passage that I think is really indicative of this type of love that we're supposed to have. It's, it's verse 7, and it says, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Like, are you willing to bear anything to be able to love the person better that is difficult for you to love? Are you willing to believe it's possible that you could get along, that they could get to heaven? Are you willing to hope that for them? And especially to endure real suffering and effort on the part of that person. The writer of Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 3, he says, Consider how he, Jesus, endured such opposition from sinners in order that you may not grow weary or lose heart. 
In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. He, the author of Hebrews is saying like, look, you haven't really tried. You haven't resisted to the point of shedding blood. Like you don't understand difficulty. Look at the difficulty Jesus endured. And remember, being a disciple means you're called to be like Jesus. And so we can't get to our judgment or we can't fall down to our knees in prayer about these people who frustrate us or who drive us crazy and say, well, I tried, Lord. <clears throat> yeah, how hard did you try? Like heaven and hell are on the line here. This person's eternal salvation and the possibility of your own are on the line. How hard did you try? Yes, your own salvation is on the line when we do not choose to love other people that is difficult for us to love. In James chapter 4, verse 17, James writes, So for one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, it is a sin. We know from the Bible, from the revelation of Jesus Christ, that the right thing to do is to love even our enemies, to love others even if they do not love us, to will that everyone be saved, to share the good news with all people. That's the Great Commission. Gentile and Jew alike, all people. And if we fail to do that, even though we know it is what is necessary, then we are guilty of sin. We can sit and complain about the shortcomings of others all we want. We can wish that they were different. But if we do not do something about it, then we are no better. And we are potentially worse. Because that other person may be completely unaware of how their behavior is affecting others, but you are aware of your responsibility. And instead of taking action, we resort to even further sin by slandering them, by falling into gossip, anger, resentment, bitterness, and unforgiveness. It reads kind of how later on in the letter to Ephesians reads when Paul elaborates in chapter 4, verse 31, he says, All bitterness fury, anger, shouting, and reviling must be removed from you along with all malice and be kind to one another, compassionate, forgiving one another as God has forgiven you in Christ. It reminds me of the words of the Our Father where we pray every single time we pray the Our Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We're essentially saying to God, forgive me to the degree I forgive others. Do we do that? Do we give people that grace? Do we love them enough that even if they drive us crazy and we cannot possibly understand or fathom why they are the way that they are, why they do the things that they do, why they say the hurtful or hateful things that they do about us or about God or about our faith, do we still choose to love them and forgive them? Because that is how the Lord loves and forgives us. We are no better than any other sinner on this planet. Each one of us is capable of the worst and each one of us is capable of the best. Eternal salvation is on the line for every single person, and we are playing an incredible role in the salvation of other people in the sense that we get to be the people who proclaim that good news. We don't save them, but we can introduce them to the person who can. And just because someone is difficult to be around or annoying or acts or lives differently than you, is that really recourse to allow them to spend eternal punishment in hell for forever? I think as a Christian, the very worst you could wish upon someone is to say, I hope you're the last person out of purgatory. Like, that's like the worst, like, but you still want them to get to heaven. You recognize there's probably a lot in their lives that they need to purge and that they're going to need to go through, you know, cleansing and purgatory for. But we should not will suffering and eternal damnation for anyone. 
And the goal that Jesus communicated to us and that's reiterated over and over in the gospel is for all people to be saved. All people, not just the people that we're comfortable with, not just the people that it's easy for us to love or who are directly in our kind of sphere of influence or, um, you know, just our in people, our group, our family. No, every single person that you are placed in contact with, whose paths you cross are opportunities for evangelization, opportunities for forgiveness, for loving one another, even your enemies, for telling people about the good news and eternal salvation in the person of Jesus Christ. How are we doing that? It's a new year. I'm recording this on New Year's Day. Happy New Year. And in this new year, might we take the opportunity to live differently, to have a different point of view about other people and recognize that it's not us versus them. It's not about our way or their way or they're misguided and we are right. But it's a recognition that we are all in the same pool. We are all sinners in need of a savior. No one is disqualified from that. No one is above it. And the, the worst thing that we can do is stand in the way of that for another person. What we are called to do is to lead other people to that same understanding. That as we are on that journey, we invite others onto it with us. Not better than them, not looking down upon them, not judging them, but recognizing we're all sinners. I've found a source of salvation, and I want to make sure everyone else knows that. Because, as I'll reiterate what James writes in in chapter 4, verse 17, For one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, it is a sin. So brothers and sisters, start this year off the right way, the holy way, the noble way, and do not fall into sin by sins of omission or failing to do the things that we know that we should. But let us be the types of disciples that Jesus calls us to be by not brooding in unforgiveness, but by seeking out those who it is difficult for us to love and trying to find the opportunity to to evangelize them. And if, if it's impossible for you to talk to that person without getting riled up or uh, irritated, that's fine. Pray and fast for them. They don't ever need to know. Pray and fast for them daily if you need to, so that they will someday come to see their actions, how they affect other people, and especially come to know the salvation that Jesus won for them on the cross. That is all I have for you this week, my brothers and sisters. I, I'm praying for you. Please pray for me. And until next time, I will see you in the Eucharist. God bless. God bless.